Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. It's good to to be in God's house and to worship the Lord together this morning. And we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're uh, you're very welcome, and and uh, and and uh, we're glad that you're a part of us today, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention today. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheet on each row, uh, the little purple folder there. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take that and fill it out, pass it down the aisle and uh, pass it back. We would appreciate that so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there and we will get you on the list uh, to receive that. It's a great way to keep up with the activities and um, and opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, speaking of those, there are some that I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, thank you for those who uh, who volunteered and who contributed to our blood drive this past Wednesday. It looked like it was a roaring success. How many did we get? Okay, we got six over our goal, uh, so that was great. We got 21 uh, pints of blood, so that was wonderful. Thank you for that. Our upward basketball and cheerleading is in full swing again after our uh, fall break, and we had a great day yesterday, and and we invite you to come and uh, participate in that. You don't have to play basketball. You can just come and just be there to be a friendly face and a representative representation of uh, Community Baptist Church is a very important thing. Our um, our deacon nominees will be presented next Sunday uh, for approval. These are nominees for the upcoming year, so that will be presented next Sunday for uh, church approval. And also coming up in a uh, not too far away, the fall festival is right around the corner. It's coming up on October the 31st, and that's a that's a big deal here at Community Baptist Church. We will have hundreds of people in our building um, eating chili and enjoying the games. And so let me encourage you to uh, to volunteer. We could use some volunteers to help serve the food. We could use some volunteers to help lead the games. And we could also use some monetary contributions to offset the price of the, the chili and other expenses there. And so if you would like to do that, we would uh, we would appreciate it. Also, in your bulletin, it says that there's a missions committee meeting today. There will be no missions committee meeting today. We will be having a worship team today, but not a missions team uh, this afternoon. And uh, if you would allow me just one personal moment, uh, my, my, both of my brothers are here today and my sister-in-law is here. And we're here celebrating because yesterday was Susan's birthday and today is my mom's 91st birthday. Happy birthday, mom. stand and greet each other.
church's missional journey. Be still and know that I am God. These are the concepts the Dawning team has been working on. Being still, listening to God, praying for the eyes to see God's vision for who he wants Community Baptist to be. And for what he wants Community Baptist to do. It's kind of crazy some of the places and ways you hear God when you listen for him. Since the team has been on this journey, we've had two or three Sunday school lessons from writers who don't know Community Baptist. Written literature months And months ago, but these lessons have spoke to us on the team um, about how to see the new day in our church's missional journey. The team is trying real hard not to let our agenda get in the way and making sure that it's God's vision for us that we are beginning to see as we go through this process. And the team could use all of you to help us with this journey. You can pray. Um, You can pray for the team to have the eyes to see God's vision. Pray for us to have the ears to hear God as he's speaking to us. And for the 
courage to follow God's lead as he's taken us on this journey. This small group that has formed um, has formed a really close bond and we've been united as we've been united through this journey and we're getting close to bringing some ideas to all of you in the next few weeks. But once again, I ask that you keep the team in your prayers as we finish this journey to bring not our vision, but God's vision to the new day for Community Baptist. Thanks. Today's responsive reading is entitled Abundance. Will you join me in our responsive reading? God of the hungry, shelter of the homeless, provider of all we need and much of what we want, you welcome us like a parent calling a child to a nourishing meal. Coming Coming together together as one family family, reminds us that both our families and our wants are not unfeared. Our fullness and the things for which we hunger. As you replenish us with food for our souls, turn our eyes and hearts to the needs of our brothers and sisters who go to bed hungry and wake up longing for bread. Help us realize how much is enough and how much is too much. Give us enough trust to live secure in your love and to share it freely with others in open-handed confidence that your grace will never run out.
scripture reading, Matthew 22:15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show difference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor that things that are, I'm sorry, the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Oh, right there in front of me. Okay. All righty. Morning, ladies and gentlemen. Joe, I don't think, and I'm not trying to embarrass you because you know I love you more than anything, but I don't know if you all saw when the music for Mark's song started, you ran up here because you thought it was children's moment. You remember when I did that and I was looking back and getting mad at my son because the music wasn't playing and it wasn't my turn? We should, you know what, this afternoon when we were in the worship team meeting, we might talk about children's moment, and that tells me that you really, really enjoyed children's moment, and you're ready for it when it gets here, right? Okay, thank you very much. Well, Dr. Tim's going to talk about taxes today, and so are we when we go upstairs, but ours will be taught in a kind of different way, and the name of that is going to be, look here, it's going to be paying taxes. So that's the story we're going to work on when we go up to our own worship. But I'm going to use a different story just for a second here. And this is about a poor woman. And sometimes if we have more than we really need, sometimes we'll give it to God. Okay? But sometimes if we don't have money, we still want to give what we can to God because we owe everything in our life to God, right? Listen to the story. It says, One day Jesus was sitting in the temple watching people as they put money in the offering box. And we've talked about that. You guys remember when you did this upstairs for us? And Miss Jika uses this in her room. And that's money in there. And at the end of each month, they send a check. And I'm saying they, our church, sends a check to Christian Outreach where I work. And they also sent, do you also send it somewhere else, Chica? Yeah, different places. And this is to help people that might not have food, and it's to help folks like Christian Outreach buy food for people, okay? All right, now look what happened to this lady. The money was to help pay for the upkeep of the temple and for things the priests needed. As Jesus watched, he saw all kinds of people giving money. Some rich people put in many coins. Hmm. And then a poor woman, look at this lady. Does she look like she has a lot of money? She might not have as much as rich, rich people, but look what she did. Then a poor woman came up to the box. She had two small coins in her hand. Just two. Together they were worth only a few pennies. The woman dropped both coins into the box. Jesus called his disciples. He said to them, look at this woman. Everyone else gave much more money than she did, but they only gave what they didn't need. Sometimes we think, oh, I'll give a little bit to the church because I really don't need this, but I'm not going to give a whole lot to the church. This woman has put in more than anyone else. She is very poor, but she gave everything she had. You guys, when you come in, you've been seeing all that soup out there. And you know what? If you brought me one can of soup, um, Zoe, I would be thrilled to death to take that to Christian Outreach. But if everybody here brought a can of soup, Did you see on the back here today how many cans of soup I've already taken down to Christian Outreach? We've already collected 87 cans of soup. And when you go out, you'll see a lot more there. 
So what this story is trying to teach you, if we all just give a little bit of our time and a little bit of our money and we pull together as one big church family, we can do so much. Does that make sense? Okay, what if I give each of you two quarters? (laughs) Come on up here. Everybody stand up and get your two quarters. All right. Now, it's your choice. Do you want to take two quarters home and buy something for yourself? Or do you want to put it in Miss Jika's bucket so we can help hungry people? There you go. And here's a few more. Oh, you're going to put those in for me? Thank you. All right, you guys, um, when we put a little bit of money in, when we look down in there, it makes a whole great big bunch of money, right? Look at that. And by the end of October, we'll have a lot more. And we'll have a lot more Kansas soup also. All right, I want to share one more thing really quick, and then we'll get to uh, go up to worship. You want to see these? I want to share these with the church. Oh, Meg, can you get those? We had a lesson upstairs, and just so you adults will want to know what our children think church should be, it says, what does the church need? Okay? Georgia says this church needs more food for the poor people. They get it. Whoops. Sarah Carroll said, what does this church need? Ten commandments outside. So we talked about maybe putting signs on the playground for those. Gracie said, what does this church need? People. Mm. There's a picture of the people. We'll put these on the bulletin board. Neva says, what does this church need? We do not steal. We need to keep children's moments. (laughs) Joe, do you remember what you said? This is Joe's picture. What does, his church, what does this church need? Jesus died on the cross for us. Molly says it needs signs with each room and crosses in the children's moment room. And Zoe, do you remember what you said? I think you just, oh, I think it was people, wasn't it? Aren't those people? Yeah, she also said. You did? It's perfect. I think we all love you all just the same. Thank you guys very much. Let's go up to children's worship.
Will you pray with me? Our most gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you today. Our prayer is that our offerings, our offerings of kindness, our offerings of intention, our offerings of monies be given to you in the small things and in the great things that we have. So much we have. May we be generous in what we can give, whether it be our song, our prayer, our kindness, our time, or our monies. May the things we give be from a glad heart to a world, a country, a city, and a community in need. Bless those that are here today with us to worship. Bless those that cannot, for some reason, or the other be with us. Let them know that we love each and every one of them. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Life without its hunger, 
restless heart beat so imperfectly. But when you come and I am filled with wonder, sometimes I think I glimpse eternity. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your Yeah, well, I got to follow that. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. You are always a blessing to us, and we're grateful for you. Um, Mary kind of tipped the, gave you a tip about what I'm going to preach on today. She said, I'm going to talk about taxes. And some wise person once said that there are only two things that are inevitable, death and taxes. You know that. You've heard that. Someone else once said that the Eiffel Tower is the Empire State Building after taxes. (laughs) Another wit asks if we have heard about the new taxpayer's wristwatch. It doesn't actually tell time. It just wrings its hands. And Jimmy Kimmel once said that nobody likes taxes, but they've been around forever. He said taxes date all the way back to the year one, when the baby Jesus was visited by two wise men and an IRS agent who demanded half of the family's frankincense. Well, that may be the way some of us feel after meeting our obligations to the government. And and seriously, we, we know that paying our taxes is a small return for the privilege of living in such a great country as ours. But, of course, not everyone feels that way. Uh, Someone once saw a road sign in Oklahoma demanding that we pay no taxes. But the ironic thing about that was that it was placed alongside a federally funded interstate highway. (laughs) There's no free lunch when it comes to the, the services that we enjoy in our nation. But still, some people want the privileges of citizenship without its responsibilities. According to an item in the Associated Press a while back, tax authorities in Bangalore, India, have found a new way to handle tax evaders. 
You see, they send a team of drummers to stand in front of the homes or the shops of those who refuse to pay their taxes. And they just sit, stand there and they bang away noisily on their drums until the obligations are met. I'm told that uh, tax officials in Bangalore have recovered over a million dollars owed by delinquent taxpayers by this method. I guess it's the, the sense of shame that is evoked by all of the racket. I think, guess that's enough to make people come out and pay their taxes. I just hope that our tax officials don't get wind of that. I mean, our neighborhoods are loud enough as there is. But, you know, the people of Jesus' time felt the same way about taxes that many of us do. But paying taxes for them was even more problematic for several reasons. For one thing, they had to use the Roman currency to pay their taxes. And Roman coins bore an image of Caesar on them. And on that image, it declared that Caesar was God, divine. And this was a clear violation of the second commandment against graven images and having other gods before our God. And so any devout Jew would be prohibited from even carrying a coin like this. So the currency was one problem. And another problem was the harmful nature of the tax system itself. According to William Barclay, a tax was payable on almost anything. A tax was payable for the use of the main roads, and the harbors, the markets. A tax was payable on a cart going down the road, on each wheel of the cart, and on the animal that pulled the cart. A tax collector could stop a person along the road and unpack his belongings and charge him pretty much anything he wanted. And if he couldn't pay the tax, the tax collector would offer to lend him some money at an exorbitant interest rate and got the person even further into his clutches. So we may complain about the IRS these days, but folks, I want to tell you something. They're sweethearts compared to the tax collectors of Jesus' day. Yet still taxes were a fact of life back then, just as they are now. Now, all of this is a background for our lesson for today. You see, the Pharisees were trying to lay a trap for Jesus. And so they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the, the ways of God. So tell us, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now, this is one of those political time bomb kind of questions. You know, it, it was designed to turn people against Jesus, and, and it seemed that no matter how he answered, he was going to tick somebody off. It was a, and it's political season here and uh, around here, and so I'm sure that you've seen these kinds of questions on TV ads these days. You know, it's, they're all out there. You've seen them. But this was a dangerous, this was dangerous ground for Jesus, because if he said that, no, you shouldn't pay the taxes, then he was going to get in a lot of trouble with the Roman government. But if he said, yeah, you need to pay your taxes, he was going to get in trouble with his Jewish brothers and sisters. But Jesus knew what they were trying to do. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin that's used to pay the tax. And so they reached in their pocket and they pulled out a denarius and they gave it to him. And he asked the question, whose image is on this coin and whose inscription is here? And they replied, Caesar's. Thus confessing their own violation of the second commandment. Remember, it was their coin that he was using. And so Jesus said to them, give it back to Caesar. Back to Caesar. It's his. It's got his name on it. Now, and he also said to give to God what is God's. Well, what is God's? Isn't everything? 
Now, the Bible doesn't really tell us this, but my version of the story says that, that the Pharisees, thus chastised, slunk away in shame, hanging their heads down low. They had been bested. And this has become one of Jesus' most famous statements. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. My friends, supporting our government is, is a part of our responsibility as citizens. Now, we may or may not agree with the way our government spends our money, and, and that's our right. That's our right to disagree with our government. That's one of our most precious rights in, in all of our, our lives. And actually, it's a long-standing American tradition to make fun of our government and our government officials. John Adams once said, in my many years, I have come to the conclusion that one useless man is a shame, two useless men is a law firm, and three useless men, or three or more, is a Congress. Mark Twain once said, suppose you were an idiot, and suppose you were a member of Congress, but then I repeat myself. <laughs> Ronald Reagan once said, the government's view of the economy could be summed up in a few short phrases. If it moves, tax it. If it keeps moving, regulate it. And if it stops moving, subsidize it. And Will Rogers said, I don't make jokes. I just watch the government and report the facts. We laugh about these kinds of things because it, it, it's really the only way we can deal with our frustration. I mean, our whole system is designed to make it very difficult to remove an incumbent member of Congress. But somehow our nation has survived and thrived over the years. And so even though we may grumble, most of us understand that we need to pay our taxes. We render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And we can do that happily or not, but still it must be done. On the other hand, rendering to God is entirely voluntary. And, of course, that puts the church at a little bit of a disadvantage, doesn't it? I mean, we have to work really hard just to get by. I heard about a, a local fitness center which was offering a $1,000 reward or award to anyone who could demonstrate that they were stronger than the owner of this fitness center. And here's how it worked. The owner, who was a real muscle man, he was a weightlifter, just rippling with muscles, he would take a lemon, he would squeeze a lemon until all of the juice ran into a glass, and then he would hand the lemon to the next challenger, and anyone who could squeeze out just one drop of juice would win the money. And a lot of strong people tried, weightlifters, construction workers, you know, big, strong people. Nobody could ever do it. But then one day, this short, skinny guy came in and decided to give it a try. And the crowd just kind of laughed at him, at the absurdity of this wimp trying to outdo the weightlifter. And so the owner grabbed the lemon and squeezed away and and he squeezed every drop he could out of that lemon. And then he handed the wrinkled carcass to this little guy. And the laughter turned to amazement as the man clenched his fist around the lemon and squeezed six drops of juice into a glass. And as the crowd cheered, the manager paid out the winning prize. And then he asked the skinny little guy what he did for a living. And the man replied, Oh, I'm the treasurer of the Community Baptist Church. <laughs> Billy's turning her head. <laughs> we laugh to keep from crying. But you know what? According to church statist statistician George Barna, among adults who regularly attend church, that is at least once a month, 
37% didn't give a dime to the church over the past year. He goes on to say that only 3 to 5% of the people who do give tithe their income. And the situation is getting worse for the church in spite of the fact that we are becoming more and more affluent as a nation. One study shows that Christians in the United States give proportionately less today than they did during the Great Depression. Giving unto Caesar is required by the state. But giving to God is voluntary, and that puts God at a disadvantage. Having said that, however, I must tell you that there is a new trend developing because many people today are discovering the joy of what has been called radical generosity. Many people are discovering that money only brings happiness when it, when it is given for a noble cause. And we see that in the case of, of some very wealthy people, people like Bill and Melinda Gates and, and Warren Buffett, who are giving literally billions of dollars away to worthy causes. But it's also true for regular, everyday people like you and me. Bill Hybels tells about a woman named Bev who owned a condo that she and her husband were renting to their daughter. And and one night, one night as some kids were, were throwing, they were playing, they were throwing mud clods at one another, and, and one of the mud clods went astray and hit the, the front window of the condo and just shattered it. Well, the daughter got the name and the telephone number of the young man who threw the, the mud ball, and, and when she reached his mother, it was obvious that his family did not have the means to have this window pane repaired. And the mother promised that she would send the money as, as soon as she could, but with both her and her husband out of work, the likelihood of that happening was pretty slim. So Bev paid to have the window replaced. Well, several months later, Bev's daughter still had not heard anything from the little boy's mom, and so Bev decided to call the woman herself. It was a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and, and she explains... I was preparing to do our final grocery shopping, but something prompted me to place the call before I left home. And Beth reached the boy's mother that day, but instead of pressuring her to make good on her debt for the window, she heard herself saying, I was just about to head out to the grocery store. Can I bring you a Thanksgiving meal? Shocked by her own spurt of compassion, Bev went to the store and she bought two of everything that, she, that her family would be enjoying on Thanksgiving Day. And with a genuine sense of joy, she dropped off bags of groceries at this woman's house. Can you imagine how deep, deeply this unemployed mother must have been marked by a spontaneous gift of generosity from a woman that she did not even know and to whom she owed money? Now, let me ask you this. Who do you think had the best Thanksgiving that year? The family who received the groceries or Bev and her family? My friends... This is a secret that only few people ever discover. It truly is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me give you another example. A man came to his pastor and he said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with my life right now, I, but my faith just doesn't bring me much joy anymore. I still live a moral life. I go to church, but how can I recover the joy of my faith? And his, fast, his pastor said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the store and buy a big basket full of groceries and go to an address of a poor family that I will give to you. And then when you 
have given your gift, this basket of groceries to this family. I want you to sit down with them. Sit down with that family. Find out what they need. Let them know that you really are interested in them and and that you really are their friend. And then lead them in the Lord's Prayer before you leave. And your joy will be restored. So that's what he did. And it worked. It worked. Radical generosity. It is the secret of a blessed life. And of course, radical generosity is also a part of what it means to follow Jesus. That's what we want to do as Christians, isn't it? Follow Jesus. This is a part of what that means. I mean, think about it, folks. Jesus gave everything. Jesus gave his all. He rendered everything that he had and everything that he was to God. And that's why we worship him today. And that's why we seek after radical generosity in our own lives. Jesus gave it all. And we are to follow Jesus. Reverend David Dykes tells about something that happened in a church that he once served it seems that the church was in a capital stewardship campaign to raise some monies to, to build a new building. And there was a widow there named Nell whose husband had left her a lot of money. She had a lot more money than she really needed. And Nell loved the Lord and she loved her church, but she tended to be rather stingy when it came to her money. And so they had a stewardship banquet one night, and when she received her pledge card, she wrote it out, and and she filled it out, and she wrote down an amount that was very safe for her. It was not a radically generous gift at all. But that evening, David Dyke spoke on the passage in which Jesus said, Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But lay up your treasures in heaven. And he spoke about how a moth eats up wool when we store it, not when we wear it. And he went into great detail about moths. He also spoke about how rust destroys tools when they are stored, not when they are used. And his point was that when we store up God's resources, they don't accomplish anything. We have to use them or they become moth-eaten. Or rust covered. Well, the widow nail went home that night from the banquet feeling a little bit guilty about the amount that she had pledged that night in light of the large amount that she was storing up. And she walked up to her front door and opened her purse to get out her key. And lo and behold, a huge moth had gotten into her purse and fluttered out when she opened it. Surprised beyond belief, she decided that God was using that moth to teach her a lesson. She didn't need to be storing up her money. She needed to be using it for God. So she returned to the church. She lived right across the street from the church. She returned to the church, and she asked for her pledge card back. She took a pen, and she doubled her amount. And then she scratched through that. And tripled the amount that she had put on before. David Dyke says, folks, I had a hard time getting that moth into her purse. (laughs) Seriously, seriously, he said, I don't know how it got there. But Nell says she believes that God put it there. I love that story. Because there are a lot of people who miss the joy of giving simply and solely because they are afraid. And so they save up for a rainy day that never comes. And it's a shame that that they cannot trust God to provide for their needs. Because if they did, they would discover the joy. Of radical generosity in giving to God and giving to those who are in need. So here's a question Are you one of those people?
Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Not much of a choice there. And render unto God what is God's. That's where the joy can be found. And I hope and I pray that you don't miss out on the joy of radical generosity. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 275, I Surrender All. You know, that kind of says it, doesn't, doesn't it? I surrender all. I surrender all to Jesus, everything to him. My life, everything I own, my money, my time, my efforts, my energy, I surrender all to Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus. I hope this is your prayer as we sing it today. Oh, you're welcome. Good, 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 good. Great thing. Great thing. 